good Sunday morning, Northgate. Enjoy to see you. We're going to get into God's Word and speak a little bit about Jesus and some of the things he said to us. We're in our series on the parables. Today we're going to talk about a statement that he made. But let's pray and then we'll uh, hopefully hear from the Lord, the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak to us. Jesus, we need to hear from your Holy Spirit. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bible or if you want to grab it, pause the video and grab your Bible. We're going to be looking primarily at verses 29 and 30. Some difficult statements that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mountain. And we know the Sermon on the Mount um, is three chapters, five, six, and seven. A lot of red ink. And there's a lot of important words that we need to take to heart. So, reading from verse 27, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And here in verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it out from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Some very serious words from Jesus. So let's put it in context as we always do. Who is Jesus speaking to? Chapter 5 verse 1 says this, seeing the multitudes. So right there we know a huge crowd gathered, uh, filled with lots of people, probably lots of backgrounds. He went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So we have two indications here. The audience is his disciples, people following Christ, and the multitudes, probably trying to figure out who he was. So in that context, we could say we probably fit into one of those categories. We either are following Jesus, his disciples, or we're a part of the multitude this morning trying to hear what he is saying. So I think he's just speaking to the average person. And, and I, I really think that's important because who um, does this apply to? And I want to state right off the bat, it applies to you and me that we want to grow. Whether we're following him or trying to figure this out, that these words are meant for us. And we know at the beginning of chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes. And these are the attitudes um, of the kingdom. Jesus often talked about the kingdom of God in his parables, or the kingdom coming. Or in Luke, he said, the kingdom that is among you, because he is the king. And he's trying to give these people, which includes you and I, some of the attitudes of the kingdom. So then we get into blessed are the poor in the spirit and those who mourn and 
those who are meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful and pure in heart and those who are peacemakers and so forth. And here, this is what the kingdom's like. And he moves on then to say that as believers, we're to be salt and light. And you know that part, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Powerful words. And he moves in then to this idea of murder, not just being murder, but he goes further, our thoughts can be a real problem in those who hate have committed murder and then adultery. And what we think and what we lust after can be a real problem if we're doing it in our heart. And Jesus is radical when he says, even if you're thinking and imagining, you're actually committing the offense. And that's why he gets so serious about sin in verses 29 and 30. And obviously he doesn't mean literally, it's a metaphor. We don't want to pluck out our eye or cut off our hand. But he's saying we have to be very drastic with sin. We have to take very difficult measures to understand and to defeat sin. We don't want to normalize sin and we don't want to justify sin, but we want to see sin as what Jesus said it was and then being a part of his kingdom, desire not to live that kind of life. These words in some ways are hard for us to hear, but as thinking about this during the week, I think the reality came to my mind how damaging sin is. And Jesus hates sin. God hates sin. Why does God hate sin so much? Because God loves us. And sin hurts us. And we are God's children. And he hates when his children are hurt. And that's why he hates sin because it hurts those he loves. He's created us. He knows what's right for us. And Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. And he wants, again, to justify and normal, normalize and, and keep sin in the dark where it can hurt us. But Jesus says, no, I don't want this for you. And you have to be vigilant to understand what sin is, not to accept it, not to live in it, not to hide it, but to deal with it. That's what he's saying, deal with it. And we're going to get to how to deal with it in a moment, because I don't think it's just good enough to say, just stop sinning. I think we need a little teaching on that this morning as well. But I think the first thing, just the burden in my heart this morning for all of us is, Don't think sin is okay. And I think as believers, we might know 
yeah, that there's sin. But too often, I think in my life, in the past, I might have justified it or thought it was okay because maybe someone had hurt me or I deserved something. But I have to trust what God says, the one who created me, who says sin, which is anything that misses the mark to what Christ wants for us, is really going to hurt us. And maybe as a pastor and a shepherd, seeing the destruction of sin, um, it's when part of the job I don't like. And I heard a pastor say once, those are the conversations that make for the long rides home that you have with people and you see the destruction of sin and brokenness, maybe in the past, how it's affected people or how people's sin has affected people. And just even taking this obvious idea of lust and how it devalues people and, and, and makes them just objects instead of a whole person loved by God. And seeing the destruction that it causes is just so sad. I, I guess I want to put it that way. And I see the love of Christ. And he doesn't want people to be hurt. He doesn't want even the sinner to be hurt, the shame and the guilt. But sin doesn't only hurt us, it hurts other people. And God doesn't want to see his children hurt. And he doesn't want to see people hurt because he loves the whole world and when we accept sin when we normalize sin justify sin hide in sin it's it's just going to lead to awful consequences we are certainly going to reap what we sow that's that's all through scripture and i think it's important that we hear this this morning satan never tells us the consequences of sin. And I think it's important to understand, and Jesus is so serious saying, there is some suffering, some sacrifice, some hard choices that we have to make that are really important. Now, we can't do this on our own, and maybe you've tried to beat sin in your own strength. It just doesn't work very well. And I think there's a little hinting here that'll help us in how to um, defeat sin in our lives. And probably you heard it before, but I pray that it would be an encouragement to you this morning. Is sin and lust, as we're told about here, is, is such an earthly thing, such a fleshly thing. We know in 1 John 2.15 that um, it's called a thing of the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, um, that's not of the Father, but of the world. It's, it's, it's an earthly thing, the cravings and the desires for things that God doesn't want for us. And it might look good to us, or we might think we deserve it. And, and, and we think on these things, and then as we practice them, it says in James, as temptation comes, and we let that seed just germinate into action, it becomes sin, and then death. And we don't want that, but I guess my point is, yeah, this lust and sin and anger and it's just such an earthly thought and thinking and John shows us that clearly those are the thoughts of the world 
But how we beat sin is not thinking like the world to beat the world. We need to think like God. We need to think on eternity. We need to walk in the Spirit. And I think that's an essential word this morning, knowing the devastation. And maybe you as I at times are convicted and God, I don't want to do this. How do I deal with this? I think if you're going to fight, in some ways you're going to lose. But if we can train ourselves to think beyond this world and think of the things of heaven, the things of eternity, to think of things of the Spirit. And we know it says in Galatians, as we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And, and what does that look like? That's my submission and understanding the Holy Spirit works in me and just the submission and the crying and the belief, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please help me. I don't want this to be a part of me. And as we submit to that, I think God gives us the strength to defeat the ugliness of sin and, and the process because God wants us to live in freedom uh, so much so. And I was thinking about that. Well, how does that relate? What does that look like? Well, look at Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. It was a very fleshly um, lust of the eye. Look, there was bread he hadn't eaten in 40 days. Here it is, a beautiful day. Why don't you eat it? You know, if you're going to lust and you're hungry and you want food, there's a great picture. But what Jesus does is he looks to God's word, to eternal promises, eternal truth. Well, no, I'm not going to have that. I have, I have a different kind of bread to eat and to do the will of my father to, to walk in the spirit. So I'm not going to give in to the flesh because as I'm walking towards the spirit, I'm walking away from the thoughts of the world. And Jesus showed us that. You could have all of this, Satan said to him. And, and he didn't choose to go that way because he knew the truth. And, and this morning, I want to encourage you to, to put on the new who you are, who you are in Christ, that you're a new creation, that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In eternal ways, you're, you're loved by him and you don't have to live for this world or the things of this world that we can live different. And as we cry out, Holy Spirit, help me. God, remind me of who I am. Let me live for you. I think he will come in and strengthen our honesty, our desire to be with him. And then it'll be so much easier to turn away from the things of this world, which at some points we might call suffering. But really, is it? You know, Jesus says, you know, metaphorically cut off your your right hand or poke out your eye. Or the idea is earthly things I'm going to let go of for heavenly things. And that changes everything in our lives. And I want to encourage you today. I think there are things in all our lives that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to search out. And we need to be warned not to leave it in the dark, but to bring it in the light where Satan has no power. They're really important this morning. If you have a struggle and you know you have a struggle, listen, you're a part of the multitude. It, just like everybody else, um, 
Yeah, nobody's perfect, but we don't want to stay there and we want to move on. And the first step is bringing it into the light and understanding and asking God for help. But if you, if you stay in the dark, it's destruction and God doesn't want that for us. He wants freedom. He wants his truth to set us free. He wants us to understand that as we bring things into the light and we walk eternally and spiritually, we have a soft heart. But if we continue in the dark and sin, it gives us a hard heart. And we don't want to live in that place with a hard heart because it can lead to really difficult situations and even confusion at times. And I see Jesus in the warnings of the New Testament, even in Hebrews, you know, today be exhorted. That word today, the word of the Holy Spirit, do not harden your heart with the deceitfulness of sin, but know the power that you have. You know, we have a, a good father and no good father wants to see their children hurt. And so we warn them, we call out to them, we beg them, don't go that way. Uh, it doesn't lead to any good. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. But not only does he say, don't go that way, it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt others. He says, here's the right way. And I want to strengthen you to live that way. I want to give you the power through the Holy Spirit, through your dependence and knowing truth and his love and walking in his power. Not only don't you have, you don't have to walk that way, but you can walk his way. And he empowers you to do that if you will simply choose to ask and renew and live in what he's created you to be. And as you do that, you can make those hard choices and you're on that journey towards holiness and becoming what God has asked you to be. It's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know, a little pause again. The Holy Spirit, would you give us the courage to trust you and your words? And Lord, if there's anything in our lives, my life, or anyone listening this morning that we know is sin and is eating us up and hurting those around us, Lord, would we bring that to the light? Would we confess and repent and turn? But in this moment, Lord, we know we can't do it ourselves, so we beg and ask you, God, would you help us, Holy Spirit? Help us to walk in your power, your way, trusting you, believing you, renewing in your truth, putting on the new. Lord, we, we want to walk towards you. We want to live eternally. We want to set our mind on things above. We want to know your way is the best way. Lord, we know the beginning of revival, personal revival and renewal comes from honest confession, 
honest repentance, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that over anyone listening. I pray that in my life, in our, in our church, in our community. Lord, change and start with us. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. We'll see you later. Have a great week. Be blessed. I want you to note if you're starting the reading program, which I really encourage you to do starting June 1st, uh, if you need the schedule that we created to, to read through, that you can get those online in the announcements last week or this upcoming week. We'll post it again. Or uh, you could just email us and we'll send you one. Or if you need a hard copy, we'd be more than happy to give you one as well. But let's get into to God's Word. Be encouraged. That's uh, foundation of discipleship. Let's read through the New Testament together this summer. Be blessed. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.